to get it wrong. And so I think it's all about, this is why I say you got to partner with your data team. You've also got to know where there's any landmines, if any. If you are at a company that is very loose with your data and and you're trying to send out something as specific as that and you get it wrong, there's a price to pay for that. So I, I would say you first want to make sure your data is clean and then look at personalization because that's the biggest thing. I, people are legitimately scared that it's going to cause more work. They've got to be extra careful and they're afraid of breaking something. And so you've got to set up an environment where where they feel confident and that is a safe place in which to do that. This week on Inboxing, Kelly Haggard, VP of Marketing Innovation at Synchrony. Welcome to another episode of Inboxing. Really excited that we just launched the third season. And tonight we're recording episode 12. Today's guest is very exciting. She's like an Academy Award winner. She won the award for Email Marketer of the Year. So we're going to get into that. Who are the people at this White Tower? Who are you the Academy giving you out Email Marketer Awards? I'd love to know. But there's no question she deserved it. And we want to hear all about exactly how that, what she did. The best actor in any film this year in 2022. <laughs> so it's not best actor, but it's the equivalent in the email marketing world. So let's give it up for Kelly Hanger. Hey there, how are you doing? All right, thank God we did it. <laughs> Welcome to Inboxing. Thank you, glad to be here. Glad we figured it out. What's life without some technical challenges? I think that is very apropos for an email marketer. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, let's just jump right in. So. Just introduce yourself. You can tell everyone your background and you had a long career in email marketing. How did that happen? How did all the way to the journey that took you to winning an actual award in email marketing? <laughs> yeah, I got into email early where our first unsubscribes were handled manually. And I had a team of people that just replied to all the comments that would come in via email. I joke around that I've been in marketing long enough to have done a broadcast fax campaign also. So <clears throat> I think email's the natural evolution of a career nowadays. It goes, it goes into MarTech at some point in your career and you really have to get more into the technology side. I've worked with a ton of platforms, a lot of different types of businesses. Email resonated with me because of the get, just getting immediate feedback on your marketing. You send out a direct mail or maybe you do a conference and then you've got to wait for the survey results to come back in. Email is one of those things of they're getting it immediately and they're telling you whether or not it resonates with them. And, and I love that about it. I think that there was always that, I joke around that there's that, if you've got that Nancy Drew side that you're, you're very curious about what's going on and how to problem solve, email is a great place to be because it really brings in all the different groups together. And, and you're the flight coordinator in the middle as you think through being an email marketer where you got to bring the data team together in IT and then any other marketing teams and get everyone to orchestrate into this amazing thing where you hit a button and all of a sudden this marketing message goes out to millions of people potentially. That's how I got into it. The award, how I got to the award side was I've been going to that conference for years. It's definitely been on my radar as from the email side. So 
I've watched all the award winners up there. And my own question was, how do they do it? What did they do? What did they do different? And how do I figure out how to get there? So this is like the culmination of almost 20 years in the email space to be able to say, hey, ANA, which was formerly this particular conference was previously owned by the DMA, the Direct Marketing Association. And so it's, it's just been a crazy spread over the finish line to then say, hey, I actually got this award. So it's been a very great journey and email marketing definitely ends up becoming a part of who you are. Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting. Oh my guess we're all email marketers and working in email and it's, yeah, it's amazing. Like the community and I love how you described it as being like the Nancy Drew, <laughs> like figuring things out, the technical side of it and the creative side of it and like marrying all that together. Like that we're like, like unicorns in this way. And I think that's why there's such a brotherhood of email marketers and like the community, everyone talks about all the community is amazing because we all feel this way. Yep. All right. So yeah, with your incredibly 20 years in email, what are some of your proudest achievements? Back in the day, I would say there were some campaigns that, that I did. It wasn't my first email marketing job, but I would say one of the first. We got an award from Marketing Sherpa back in the day. So if you've been in the email space for a long time, Marketing Sherpa was one of the events that you wanted to go to where you could get certified in email marketing or there was some training. And so I think being able to listen to all those experts all those years and apply it and then win a Marketing Sherpa Award was a really big accomplishment. I think now my, I would say my biggest accomplishment is I've helped build other email marketers. I've gotten people passionate about the space and then I watch them and I watch their careers take off. And it's just so exciting to see the fact that the stuff we're doing will continue to live on. We've all heard the email is dead. Like things for years in this space. So it's exciting to see that there's new blood and new people that are getting into this and figuring out how to do the best in their space. So that to me has been my proudest is watching people that I've worked with grow into their careers and they exceed the stuff that I've even done. So I think that's the thing that makes me the happiest. Man, that's beautiful. So hearing you talk about how, you know, people that you've groomed as as email marketers moving up in, in this world. Yeah, I was very reminiscent of that. And that's cool. So yeah, I'm just jumping into the next one, which is really big on my mind. So you won this award, the Stephen Pollard Email Marketer of the Year Award. So you tell us specifically, like, what was the campaign? Like, what did you do? And what was so successful about it that it really won you an award? Yeah, it's a couple things. So the Stephen, the Stephen Pollard Award, I love Stephen. The Stephen Pollard Award is based mm -hmm. on a couple of things. One, it's based really on accomplishments and things that you've done that are campaign specific. The second part of it is like, what are you doing in the community to help, to help either mentor or foster or educate around the email space? So it's a combination of the two. So that's what makes it extra exciting is it's not just campaign based. It's also what are you doing within this space to continue to educate and move things forward? So I will tell you the campaign side of it. We've done a lot of work with with personalization and and adding more relevancy into our messages. And so it's a little bit of the the tried and true off the menu stuff that we've done where we've brought in some capabilities from from some of our vendors to really up our personalization game. And then the second part is some more custom things that we've done. 
to tap into new data sources, to really take that relevance to another level to drive more of the behaviors we want to drive. So you think about API integrations. So we have our own customer data and then we're able to tap into other data sources to bring in additional content that doesn't live within our four walls. That's been a big part of it. And then things like live polling, which allows us to get additional first-party data from our cardholders and then take that first-party data and use it to personalize their experience. So a lot of different pieces like that from a campaign side. From the other side, it's more of we do internal EQBRs, we do consultative sessions, we do things to really help educate the marketers within our group. So we sit within a COE here, a center of excellence. So we're over. Yeah, can you translate your initials? ZQBR, I think. Yeah, EQBR. So it's just an email quarterly business review. So with that, we bring in content. It could be content related to specific things with the vendors, or it could be more high level overarching content. When I think about it, overarching content, think about email is used for email marketing, but email is also the key for a lot of other channels bringing some thought leadership speakers to the table to really educate the business on a different way to look at that. And then when I think about other things where it's, we've done consultative sessions and and really help the marketers to look at it, it what it is that they're doing and to take it to the next level. We I don't want everybody to have to come to me or anyone else on my team when they want to do something. The goal is to really educate them for them to be able to take it to the next level themselves. Oh, that's awesome. In terms of like amazing personalizations, one, like what? <laughs> Can we get more specific than what exactly we're talking about with the, I mean, you were starting to mention a weather app and getting weather information. In. So if I know that it's raining somewhere and sunny somewhere else, I can have the hero image and the copy be specific for your area. I can bring in with a, an API, I can bring in we're a credit card company, so I could bring in, let's say it's one of our partners. We're able to bring in a product feed from their website, which again, adds more relevance to our communications. The first party data is huge. So I can ask you a question, what's next for you? And then my follow-up communication can be messaging to you based off of what you told me what was next. So it's more than like a countdown timer or doing something cool with your name, which I have seen. It's mm-hmm. more of, of really taking the relevant data and how it relates to us and our business and then being able to send out not just email communications, but other communications once we've captured this information from the email channel. So it's, again, it's taking all the relevant data that we have, bringing it together and having an elevated communication that takes all of those data points and, and creates one visual off of that. It sounds like synchrony. <laughs> it is. It's a synchrony of stuff coming together, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, now we're going to steer away from that a little bit. But just in general, like, what do you feel are like the key elements of a successful email marketing campaign? I think the key elements are, again, looking at those data signals and making sure that you have the right audience. So... You could have, there's a lot of people sit in a lot of different places on the spectrum. You have, could have people that are opening your emails and never buy. People that are buying and never open your emails. People that are somewhere in the middle. And you want to be able to message to them appropriately. Being best friends with your data team. I, it's all about the data. So 
you have some data that maybe isn't updated on a daily basis and you want to bring it into an automated daily campaign, you've got to work with the data team and say, hey, I need this data quicker. I need to be able to do this. Partnering with IT, partnering with its communication is just as important in email marketing as it is in any other type of business or field. It's about bringing everything together. You're at the hub with email marketing between the technical side and the marketing side. You're like that, that, that voice in that group in the middle that says, hey, this group wants to do this. How do we do this? IT team, how do we work together? Data team, how do we work together to get to this end result? And so I think that's where I see that's that spot that we live in and really what's key to be able to build out a successful campaign. Obviously, you're going to tie into timeliness. Your messages around the holidays might be different than your message in the middle of the summer. And so taking any all the relevant content around, maybe as we look at internally, you're bringing things together. You're also taking external external data points, too, to really to bring it all together into being a successful campaign. And sometimes it's not successful and being able to tell that right away and pivot. When COVID hit and they didn't want images of people, large groups together, touching each other and things that that they were basically telling us not to do, be able to pivot quickly and say, we're going to change our hero images. We're going to move to icons or we're going to move to more solo shots within those campaigns. And if you weren't quick enough, social media heard about it. So you'd see on Twitter and all these other sources of, oh my gosh, this brand is clueless. Like I just got a communication and everyone is hugging. And or the message said, have you hugged a friend today or something like that? And you really have to be, you're at that center place. And if they're not, if their marketing team isn't thinking about the email side of it and the MarTech side of it, you've got to be that voice that says, hey, we just, we're starting to see stuff on social about brands that are clueless and don't have that in mind. Let's get out there and do it. So you're, you're still that, that central role that, that helps bring it all together. Yeah, no, and that's beautiful. And it's, I love the way you said about communicating. It was reminding me of a talk I heard at Olympus Live where somebody talked about her experience becoming an email marketer at a newspaper. And she had to bring everyone together. She started doing emails with interviews with the editorial people that write the, these articles. And they were shocked, but they, these emails, they love them. But that's what it takes. And like that amount of communication and talking to people. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's great stuff. All right. Yeah. So what are some emerging trends in email marketing? I would say I'm super interested to see where we take chat GPT, like everybody else watching. I don't want to be first with that, but I definitely want to watch and learn from what other brands are doing. I think I went to a conference last year and see the trends moving more towards AI. And so taking the data and the behavior and, and understanding over time to get the right message to the right person with the right channel. I think AI is going to be a game changer for us in the email space. But again, it's one of those things where it's still new. I think people are still figuring things out. So I think you test into it cautiously and just keep an eye on it and see how other brands are using it, where their wins are. It's one thing if it's, I'm going to change this hero image out. So it's a we're a bank, we have to be more thoughtful in our approach, but it's if I'm a retailer and I've got a chair and maybe the chair performs better if it's a chair with a person versus just a chair in a room. And I think about AI being able to do stuff like that. We've done that back in the marketing Sherpa days. It was always like A-B test. What's your hypothesis? What's your theory? Is it a call to action button? And the button changes colors. 
And so we know that this button that's green with this message performs better than this button that's yellow with this message. And so AI, I think, takes that just, it just makes sure that we take those tests and continue to learn and iterate off of it versus happening. And then you're okay, the next campaign, maybe you don't take that champion throughout the journey. So I think AI is probably the one that I'm most excited about. Yeah, for sure. This comes up every episode this season. Because I just released episode one and it was like the week after I played with ChatGPT. And it's just like an incredible platform and like where it's going. It's partly scary, partly amazing. Yeah. But like the kind of stuff you just talked about, like, yeah, will it put us out of business in a way? Like where yeah, you don't need an email marketer with a good head on their shoulders to say, oh, let's try like this and try like that. It's just automated. Okay, here's three images we're going to try and see what converts best. Yeah. Yeah. Still do though, right? From a governance perspective, I think you still, I don't think we would, I don't think we're going to work ourselves out of jobs. And I know a lot of people are Mm -hmm. saying that because I think there's still, there's going to be elements to it that you can't trust to AI. There, there's all of those, those, those movies and stuff where AI kind of gets this brain of its own and goes uh, external to that. I think there's always going to be new regulations and new considerations and new things where you're always going to need that oversight of the AI and you're going to need to know when to tell the AI to not in this case. We don't need to <laughs> like downvoy. <laughs> yeah. Even something like send optimization, if you think about it, if I've got send optimization and I know the ideal time to send to people over a 24 hour time period, but my offer is only 24 hours, there's still going to be times where you need to say, okay, I'm going to override send optimization. I need to get it out to everybody because if they don't get it until the 23rd hour and it ends in 60 minutes, like that's not the right experience either. All right. So we're moving back to personalization and like a lot of what you did is all about personalization. We know personalization is king in your marketing. I've seen that with my campaigns and the more you can personalize and make the journey one-to-one and talk to the person you're talking to. It's great. So the big question is like, why is, why do we still get emails that just seem so not personalized, I guess, at this point? I think people can be, our organization is great and very supportive of it. I think that there are organizations where they're afraid, whether it's either the data team is afraid or, or the marketers themselves are afraid around the implementation. As we think about moving to agile, an agile word, an agile methodology, it's about failing fast. And so you've got to be willing to test it out. I feel it's a little, it's all about the data too. So if you're in an organization and there's, there's data cleaning that needs to happen or, or spring cleaning overall with your list, you may not want to go into personalization yet because it's going to, it's going to be a liability. I was at a company once where they were doing a version. It was like specific clothing for men and women. And it, they filtered the list wrong and they talked to the women in a very informal way. And it was like, Hey girl, check out the latest styles. And that message went to the, what was identified as male part of the list versus the female. And the call center was like on an, all these calls of like, why are you with the underlying theme of you don't know me. And I think that's where a lot of fear comes for the personalization data is that they are afraid that they're going to get it wrong. And so I think it's all about, this is why I say you got to partner with your data team. You've also got to know where there's any landmines, if any, 
if you are at a company that is very loose with your data and and you're trying to send out something as specific as that and you get it wrong, there's a price to pay for that. So I, I would say you first want to make sure your data is clean and then look at personalization because that's the biggest thing. I, people are legitimately scared that it's going to cause more work. They've got to be extra careful and they're afraid of breaking something. And so you've got to set up an environment where where they feel confident and that is a safe place in which to do that. Attention, e-commerce business owners. Hi, I'm Hillel, and thank you for listening to Inboxing. Hillel Bergil Marketing is here to skyrocket your e-commerce sales. With personalized campaigns and conversion optimization, we'll help you maximize profits. Hillel Berg Email Marketing, your partner for success. Yeah, it's a great point. And also, I noticed what you mentioned before, some of the stuff you're doing at Synchrony was just tied to the weather, where there's not so much of a landmine there. That's a little bit more like just being a good marketer. Yeah. And like no one minds like, oh, you see a sun in the corner of your email because it's 8 a.m. Or, or yeah. if it's on send time or with the weather, let's go out for it's pouring outside. Just being aware of it. The way I think about these kinds of things usually is, oh, if it's freezing, let's send them like, an email for winter gear or, or something like that. Or it's sunny in Philadelphia today, so let's send them about outdoor furniture. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, there is, like you just mentioned, like the minefield of it all. And also even just not showing that you know too much about a person or people get a, like they're being spied on. It's creepy to the point of creepiness. So I guess, yeah, what you're saying is it's a slippery, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm confident for our stuff, though. I think it's exciting to see it. My One of my favorite examples of personalization was from Starbucks, where they had this Starbucks cup, and it had in, in like, handwriting font your name on it. And I was uh -huh. like, cool idea. It's very simple. But something like that is also visually engaging. Like, I see my name on a Starbucks cup in the email and the image, and I think, how did they do that? I think yeah. I, I listened to like, my mom and dad, and they're like, I got this crazy email and it's specific for me. And I'm like, no, they actually have tools that can do that today. <laughs> so it's kind of, that stuff is just, it's interesting. It causes, it draws your eye, your eye's attention and you're going to read at least part of the message and maybe you wouldn't have in the past. For sure. And it drives emotion. That's it. You saw that coffee cup, like my name, like it looks like someone hand drew it on, on the cup. Yeah. Um, so it's got a definite, and I think we all love these emails where like, it really draws you into it. Yeah. The joys of the email marketers. Um, so yeah, but back question. Yeah. So what are your favorite email strategies? Oh, wow. That's a, automation. We shouldn't be doing ad hoc communication. So everywhere we can automate and thinking about different ways to automate, that's an older strategy, but I still think an important one for people to to think about and drive home. I love the idea of a rewave. You've sent out a communication and, and you don't want to really do necessarily build a whole new email just to be a reminder. And so maybe you update the subject line and send it out again, or you maybe you just say, in case you missed it, I think a rewave is one of those ones that I think is valuable, especially if it's a big offer or a big concept that you're trying to make sure everybody sees. And then I would say the third is like, Thinking through almost a publishing model, I came, I worked in a newspaper a really long time ago, 
And it was like the idea of having some assets that are maybe not evergreen, but they can go across multiple channels. Just to be able to drive home that omni-channel message, I think is another good one where you can maybe have a banner that could fit into an email and also can go onto a landing page and maybe they use it for paid search. Be just And in that banner, the conversation switches a little bit based off of that channel. So like in email, it's a little more personal. In paid search or something like that, maybe the language changes a little bit, but, but the art stays the same. So I think being able to personalize based on the channel is another, is another great one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's a lot of really great stuff. Yeah. What mistakes do you feel brands are making over and it drives you crazy when you see it in your own inbox? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to answer this and tell you one of my favorite campaigns ever. The idea of it is the year in review that here's all the things that, that happened in our relationship over the last year. I am a fan of, this is one of my favorite sports teams. And they sent me, and I'm a season ticket holder, and they sent me an email and it was like, they were talking about year in review and this is how many games you went to and what you spent and everything else. And it was like, actually I went to more games than that. <laughs> so it was <laughs> funny. It was like, it was one of those things we talked about is like just making sure your data is clean and testing it before it goes out. Because as a season ticket holder, like I feel very invested in this brand and very invested in the communications. And so when I saw that there was some discrepancies in what I knew, I had, I've been to the, I've been to more games than that. And I, I wait, they're not counting this and they're not. And so it was, I love the idea of it. But I was like, oh, I think most, a lot of brands don't take the time to double check their data before these campaigns go out. And, and that to me was like, I've seen, we've seen that. I also, a different sports team, I went there and they didn't have the promo that night. And then someone did some filtering of the list. And so when I finally got my promo in the mail, it was a different name, but it was my address. And so I was like, again, it's like the little data stuff that that you really have to be detailed about to get right it's the same thing that we talked about of people being scared of personalization like i wanted to call both of these brands and be like just qa someone should qa this before it goes out <laughs> they should have a live when you're using personalization you should have a live view of it to make sure that all the data is coming through right because you're going to get into something like that so that's the one that that always kills me. Or the blank emails dear insert name i thought what is so that's crazy to me right now i should like, I know you have my name because you use it on other times, but now all of a sudden this email says, dear, insert name. It means that someone that was connecting the pipes didn't double check it. Now, it's amazing to me. I'm surprised also that I haven't seen boards of stuff because I've taken screenshots from New York Times. I've taken screenshots from LinkedIn to send me an email with my wrong name in it. And it just makes me think, like, how many people got this email? Are and they then, all saying the wrong name or just, is it everyone seeing Kelly? Yeah. Or right. is everyone seeing a different variation of someone else's name? Yeah. But don't kill anyone for it. We're all human. <laughs> and I've been guilty of that a few times myself. Yeah. So you just mentioned a few memorable campaigns, sometimes not for the right reasons, but yeah, tell me more. Holding some of your favorite campaigns, your own campaigns you've seen uh, that you really love. Yeah. The first year in review campaign I got from an airline was very memorable for me. It was like, you've gone to this many places, you've traveled this many miles. I thought it was very interesting. 
That one will always stick with me. I think that, again, the Starbucks cup. So my use case of when I got it was a B2B use case. And so it was like, hey, would you like to grab a cup of coffee? And the way they personalized the image was like a person with a Starbucks cup that had my name on it. Now, I will tell you, that wasn't necessarily good, memorable. I was like, that's creepy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know that I like the salesperson with the Starbucks cup that has my name on it in an email. I will always remember that for that reason. But the positive one is the travel. I think the travel was showing like you traveled to all these places, you did this many miles. That information was interesting to me. Yeah, no, and it's impressive because it's a lot of legwork and it's to make it all work. Having to try and do something like this is one of the organizations I've worked with. I don't know what's doing that. Like to compile all the data and making sure that it's all right. Yeah, and it's the what you mentioned about the B2B service. I have met with them. People that do this kind of stuff. And it's very effective, but it's also creepy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So you might have answered this already when we talked about your favorite strategies, but do you have any like top tips for pushing email to the next level? Don't be afraid. I think when everyone, when, in, when everybody goes into email marketing, at some point you have to be the person that hits send. And there's a lot of anxiety, especially earlier in your career to hit that send button. So when you think about doing the work to really elevate the campaign and that there's even more that goes into it, that anxiety to hit send is going to be even mm -hmm. higher. It's looking at the tools out there, understanding what fits within your company's budget and capabilities understanding your data. The more you understand the data, the better you're going to be able to take your campaign to the next level and look at behaviors and patterns and say, what inferences can I make from what I know? So I can say, maybe I'm a retailer and maybe I don't have SKU level data on what they bought, but I know they purchased at this price level. I know at that price level, it's mainly X product category. So if they bought X product category, What's their next likely step? Are they going to buy Y? Are they going to buy M? Are they going into that? And so the more you can work with your data team, I should say your other best friend should be analytics. The more you can work with your data and analytics team, the more you can really elevate what you're doing across email, across your whole program, because they're going to have the keys of the information you need to figure out how to bring in more relevance and to drive the behavior you want to drive. So we know if they do these 10 things, they're going to have a higher lifetime value with us. How do we drive those 10 things? And that's data you would get by partnering closely with your analytics side. Got it. Yeah, that's really great. Great stuff. Love it. It's like Clavio says, we're not really an email company, we're a data company. And it's yeah. so true. Because <laughs> if you don't have that big beta layer, it's just no fun. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do much. All right. So what brands do you like seeing in your inbox? Who do you feel are creating like really great emails? Yeah. So one of the brands I'm watching right now is Bath and Body Works. So they sell different products. I'll tell you why. Is they're doing some dynamic banners at the top based off of what they know about me. And so the banners that like my banners are going to come and bring in my latest points because I've engaged recently. If I haven't engaged recently, I might see a different message. I just think it's interesting to watch and see as my behavior changes with the brands too. Sometimes some of the messages and content changes. 
I obviously watch all the brands that I engage with on a regular basis. And I watch all my sports teams because I commented about the data stuff. I think it's interesting. More of the professional sports teams here are looking to do bring in personalization and to bring in relevant content. Spotify is, they know the sort of songs you like and can put out their recommended lists and stuff. So I think there's a lot of brands that are doing some really cool things. But the Dynamic Banners is one of those ones that just interests me as I can see the behavior. So I'm definitely gonna keeping an eye as my behavior changes as I engage with the brand. Curious to see like when it's gonna change to something else. So I think those things are fun. I usually, it's funny, instead of the whole email, I usually like connect with a module and say, is this module something that I could bring in and that I can do here? And then I brainstorm, what did it take to get to this? And what would it take for me to bring that into my organization and to get to that? So I look at all of that stuff like, what do I want to do? What tools, like obviously you work with a lot of tools to make, to have these API calls and make all cool things happen. So you want to shout them out? Who are we talking about? I can tell you that they joke around. I'm president of the Movable Inc. fan club here at Synchrony. Uh, <laughs> we do a lot of work with Movable Inc. They definitely opened up a lot of capabilities for us. We do an integration from Movable Inc. to Dynamic Yield, which does our website personalization. We That's cool. Some of it is, though, it, some of it is, it's just all about the data, though. I mean, it, honestly, because there's some low-level personalization you could do within any ESP today. I can bring in and throw your name up at the top of an email today. Again, it's about keeping that data clean. So across any ESPs and some of the some of the ESPs out in the market today would have some would have some of the personalization tools. I think when I look at something like a movable link, we're able to take it to the next level. It opens up a lot more for us here than than so we're able to get a lot more sophisticated. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I had then I'm a heel. They're on the podcast in season two. Yeah. Okay, bring yeah. movable link on too. <laughs> Yeah, I'll reach out to them. They've been one of sponsor. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, speaking of, just before we go to the next question, yeah, on that Spotify wrap, at the end of the year, like everyone loved it, like what I was talking about at the end of the year. It's really cool. And it just obviously reminds us, the workers, of these year-end emails. Yeah. They totally ripped us up. All right, so we do have one piece of advice for somebody just starting in email marketing. What would it be? Listen, I would say you've got podcasts like yours. You've got thought leaders that are out there speaking at these conferences. Listen, not everything's going to resonate and be applicable to you. But my goal is I try to, if I go to a conference or I listen to content, if I go to a conference, I try to come home with at least 10 things that I can do. And I may not get to all 10 of those. I may only get to the top four, but I, it's got to be worth my time for the investment that I made to go to the conference and listen. So there's so many experts in this space. And don't be afraid after you hear someone speak or to reach out and connect with them because you never know what's going to come up in your own email program that you want to just have somebody to talk to about it and bounce an idea off the wall or have you heard of this? Have you come across this before? Having, you call them mentors, just a voice in your head that you can have a regular relationship and help you figure some of this stuff out, I think is super important. Most of this stuff, everyone wants to be first at something. Most of the stuff that you're going to do in your career as an email marketer, you may be first at your company to do it, but you're probably not the first person ever to do it. 
unless you're a developer and you're hands-on building out net new things, you're not going to be first. And so the more you can tap into the experts and get some support in what you're thinking, or maybe a pivot in what you're thinking based off of the feedback you get, I think it's super important as you think about your career. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing I mentioned, this is join the Slack channel. Email Geek Slack channel is fantastic. Yes, and I'll also give a plug for Women in Email group on Facebook is another great one. There's a bunch of really good groups out there that, again, you can bounce ideas off of or take a challenge to. And there's going to be opinions and ideas that you're going to get back. You always just take what resonates, take what fits within your specific organization and group. Yeah, no, for sure. And how do we help build a community of up-and-coming email marketers? Again, I think it goes both ways where you should have your network of people that you reach out to. You should also make yourself available for other people to reach out to you and have those conversations because a lot of great ideas come out of those conversations. Spend time, explain your program to others. You've got new people coming into your organizations and a lot of times you're going you're gonna to know those people that are really hungry to learn and that want to know and tap into the things that you've already done so they can figure out how to go net new from there. Somebody told me my favorite, my favorite quote ever, which was like, once, once the elevator gets you up to your floor, you always send it back down. Thinking about like, how do you help again? How do you help and support that next group of email marketers? That's, and it's not by age. It's at anybody at any age could say, I want to start getting into this field and learn more and just be open to have those conversations as a mentor or a mentee. Thank you so much. We've reached the end of our podcast. <laughs> and at this point, uh, I ask you a final question, which is, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? No, I appreciate you doing this. Again, getting some of those voices out there for other people to listen to. I should probably caveat that the AI opinions are mine and not necessarily my company's. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have your own opinion on things, what it takes and the Again, the landmines that come with building out something like that. And it's, it's definitely, definitely an exciting field to be in. And, and there's going to be some big changes that come up. And I would say stay close from, a, from both the legal and compliance side of any new rules and laws that get put out there, whether they're geographic specific or bigger. And then, and then listen to the people that have already done it. You can learn some stuff and, and it can make your process a little bit easier. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. It's so interesting to me how each guest has different perspective, different things come out, and it's set a blast. That's all for today's episode of Inboxing. Uh, big thank you to our guest. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you've got suggestions, please just reach out to me at hello at com. Um, before we go, I want to remind you there's still sponsorship opportunities available for inboxing. Uh, so if you're interested, you could just reach out to me again. Thank you for listening and tune in next week, every Monday, for the next episode of Inboxing. <laughs>